Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode number eight of the PhD podcast. My name is Mitch. I'll be taking you through out the week that was in Berg hockey. We're going to talk everything that Matt Mamros wants to talk about when it comes to being around the region are NAHL, USPHL. Uh, we're talking USHL. We're talking OHL. We're going to talk a little bit of, I guess, a little bit more of Robert Morris that we talk about every week. I've got your PIHL scoreboard. I've got a couple other things going on, our PIHL goaltender and players of the week. And we're going to talk a little bit of uh, the ACHA with Ed Major before we get into the PIHL later. But uh, first and foremost, I'm going to let you know where you can find us on Twitter at PGH Hockey Digest. Me, I am at PhD underscore Mitch. You can find Mr. Mamros, who's going to be joining me momentarily at Matt13Mamros. I am also... Uh, on Facebook, you can find us at PGH Hockey Digest. You can find us on Instagram at PGH Hockey Digest. All that other fun stuff that you would need. You've already found us on SoundCloud, so you don't have to worry about finding out where that's coming from. Um, so we're going to open up the week that was with Matt Mamros here. And welcoming Matt Mamros to the PhD Podcast. Matt, how is everything going tonight, sir? How are you doing? Good. We're uh, we're doing great. We had an excellent, excellent hockey-related weekend. We're not going to talk about the Steeler game on on Thursday because that is uh, that I'd be in the dumps. But uh, very picked up a lot actually going into the weekend. So we'll we'll talk about that. Okay. We'll talk about all over the place. All right. I, I was at, I was at three hockey games this weekend. All right. We don't we don't have to talk about. All right. Well, let's get it started. Where are we going? Well, let's start with Friday here. Friday, I headed up to Jamestown, New York, to watch the Generals take on the Jamestown Rebels with uh, one of the Robert Morris's uh, future prospects in net for the Rebels, and they uh, they picked up the win four to two. So that was that was pretty cool to go see that. Um, that rink is awesome. It, it's very like intimate, almost like the EPMC Event Center, wherever. Whenever you're sitting there for a basketball game, you're just so close to the action and stuff. So that's how it was up there. I highly, highly recommend that trip, but uh, it was on Friday. Where are we at next, sir? Well, I mean, Saturday I was at Penn's Leafs. We don't we'll talk NHL, but that was that was a fantastic game. What's well, up? Uh, and then t- tonight I was at the Wheeling Nailers game. We'll, we'll get to all that in a second. Let's start by previewing the Robert Morris women who were up by this weekend. And next weekend, they head to Troy, New York against Rensselaer Polytech Institute RPI mm-hmm. for a 305 on Friday. And I'm say 7 o'clock. Could be incorrect, but I think 7 o'clock on Saturday. And they are playing 0 12 and 1 RPI. Okay. A team that seems to be in, in total disarray. And that, those are the matchups you worry the about because you don't know if it's uh if it's a goon squad that you're about to go up against or if you're going to play a team that's hungry like the wolf so we'll we'll see what goes on this weekend but rpi a paper why they don't look too great i haven't seen them play in person so i can't comment on what they actually look like but we're talking about a team that has 10 goals in 13 games and about 39 in in uh 13 games. So we're, we're looking at a team here where, where Robert Moore should go in 
get work done and go for the sweep this weekend. It's more points for that top line possibly sitting out there. So the entire team, oh, especially, yeah. I mean, this is this talking about. This is a team that if if Jay is going to break the record, um, by by Christmas, this is a team where she will put work and is only nine. So even though she was inactive this weekend, she's still only nine points back from the NCAA scoring lead. So oh, that's, this is something that could happen uh, where she gets back into that conversation this, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Also, I also expect to see both goalies this weekend. I don't think we're going to see one or the other go both days in a row. I think we'll see both on Reagan. So we will, we'll have to see what happens. We'll talk, uh, Women's ice hockey next week because they were on the bye this weekend. But let's let's go to Bentley where your first place Robert Morris Colonials mm-hmm. swept the Bentley Falcons this weekend. And what a, what a series! Um, this is this this is a different series that we're looking at compared to what we saw at the island last week, where it was the home and home with Kinesis, and it was it was very similar. Um, games you saw last weekend. This one it looked like Robert Morris. Just, they were in control the, the whole time. Really, no threat. After I watched the um, the highlights from both games before we got on here, but really no threat. At least in my mind, of losing either. This Robert Morris men's team is really starting to put something together, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. This is this is something that reminds me of. My freshman year and of college, where Robert Morris had full control of conference the whole regular season, and they didn't take their foot off the gas once mm-hmm. during the regular season. So this is this is awesome, and this is this is definitely different than last year. So we're going to see where they go from here. But Bentley, they look awesome this weekend. We did have, we did walk away with some injuries this weekend on the back end. Um, with uh, Sean Giles and Nick Jenny both leaving the second game injured. Um, okay, so I we'll mean, have to see what happens with that one. That's just it's one of those things. It's starting to remind me of the uh, that big season. I think it was four years ago. Actually, it was the one that's previous to this senior class coming in. It was the one with actually uh, with actually uh, Luke's older brother Zach in that big graduating class and. How everything Are we talking just... about the one that is um, Zach Denham, yeah, Frank Wilson? Is that that? Okay, the one with Gibby and yeah. all the uh, yeah that crew, and that Frank was just like and then, is that Wido as well, or is that the year? No, Wido was the year before. This is okay. Uh, this this crew was. So this is the year after. This is the year after, and like you think about that, and you know how how in tune that team was, and how deep that team was, and now you're looking at players like. You know, Jake Coleman finally, you know, getting a grip. I mean, he's getting points, and he's got points in how many games now consecutively? And you're talking about a fourth-line energy at guy. At least four. Yeah. At least four, possibly five. I, I should look that one up. And you're, getting, and you're getting so, goals from your back end of, of guys who aren't score. you know, that you're getting first career goals. You're getting goals from guys like Hartkinen who are just absolutely, you know. Freshman on the top three. Yeah. Top three lines. I mean, how awesome is it? We haven't seen that since. Brady Ferguson's freshman year, where we had that's the same on year. I believe that was nine. no, that was his sophomore year. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, that was 
That was Brady's sophomore year because Brady's freshman year would have been wide wide senior year. Mm -hmm. And you look at that and you're talking about it and you're like, you're finally starting to put it together and maybe the last couple years of, it it wasn't a soft rebuild at this point. I mean, it's hard to say it in collegiate because you roll every four years and the scary part about the fact if you want to call this a soft rebuild is look at the actual, like, how young this team is. (laughs) Like... Percusic, Percusic, as a junior, I mean, you're you're graduating only a handful this year, and a lot of this core is going to be back next year. I mean, the question mark's going to be in net with Capel Master leaving after the season, but um, you you don't know what you know. The future has is what it is at this point. That defense is looking solid as it's starting to grow, and you know these younger players are already chipping in this year. So it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about substantial build and growth in both the men men and women's sophomores from what they were last year to this year. You're talking about, in some cases, completely different players or players that have just finally broken out and really feel a role in the system because both teams play a pretty – Pretty similar system. I mean, having the same coaching staff for several years in a row will do that. I gotta throw, I gotta throw a question out to you, and see what your your opinion is on it. Okay, especially when it's coming to this Robert Morris men's team. Here's My what I'm gonna ask you. Question. Here we go. Oh, let's go for it. Is this a systematic? This team was going to be good, or do you feel like there was a little momentum from this squad watching Frank Marat leave? and go to Clarkson, bringing in a guy who had a chip on his shoulder in Justin Kappelmaster, who didn't get the starts whenever he was, you know, where he came from, and now he's getting the opportunity to play. Do you think this is a perfect storm, or do you think this is, like, you know, something else? This this is, a, I think, the perfect example of hitting your maturation point. This is where you had a lot of guys come in last year didn't really know what the expectations were on anything but paper. You, you had guys that were stalwarts and juniors all coming in for the first time. You had a lot of freshmen in key roles last year in the, in the quote-unquote soft rebuild year. And now you have everybody I, and just and I hate to use that term. I hate to use that term yeah, because I, I know I'm going to get yelled at for it. Like somebody's gonna laugh at me at the, when I get to the rink on Friday for the first time and see the men in a while because of my schedule's been so crazy. But like, a soft rebuild isn't isn't supposed to be an a, a, an evil term that I'm trying to use against it. It's more no, along no, no, the no, lines no, of like, it was just, there was a lot of unknowns. There was unknowns, year. and last year, if you think about last season, it was the first time in five years that that team didn't make the Atlantic Hockey Championship, even out of luck, yeah. out of hard work and effort, as this team's always been. Where, you know, you're thinking about that opportunity. About yeah. They lost to an AIC team that beat the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> yeah. Like, and the year before that, they lost to... And they lost that game uh, in overtime, didn't they? Yeah. The AIC game? Yeah. Yes, they lost the AIC game. I think it was 2-1 to one in overtime. It might have been 4-3 to three in overtime. But it's, it's an, it's you're, you're talking about an AIC team that, like... That was a team of, of destiny in Atlantic City. You know, Atlantic, I mean, Atlantic City. Atlantic Hockey. That, that's like, you know, you, but you see those stories every year, like Sacred Heart, you know, coming in and playing well yeah. last season. And then, you know, 
it's it's good to see that there's been a consistency on those teams. Like RIT has been pretty consistent over the last couple seasons. Canisius has been in. RIT is receiving votes at this point in the year, so that's your that even though the men sit at seven and one on top of the conference, they're still not receiving votes. RIT is, so that's the that's the squad you want to go after at this point. Yeah, and try to take down. Yeah, I'm looking at that, and I'm like. Well, let's see. Let me look at this because I think they're coming. Either they're coming to town, or we're going there very soon, if I remember correctly. And I think, I think I want. I know this weekend is Air Force Friday and Saturday. I believe they're both seven o five games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should be at both. I haven't decided whether the Penguins are going to steal me on Friday or not. Um, <laughs> I'll but, be at the um, game Friday. Okay, I will definitely be there Saturday, no matter what. Even though okay, I apologize. The they don't go Banner. to they don't play RIT until February, February seven and eight, at home. So they have one. And there is just so much that can happen in between. Yeah. Then and now, but uh, the one other series I was watching this weekend within our conference that interested me was I was sitting there in Jamestown with my friend, and I, I looked at her and I. You know, AIC just scored their 12th goal against Mercyhurst. And then again, Mercyhurst comes back and beats them 4-3 on in overtime on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So what a, what a crazy um, just event of series. It's, it's parody Atlanta in Atlantic hockey. hockey. Yeah, it's insane right now. And, you know, you look you at look that. At, you look at Sacred Heart, who's been historically not up to the stand, rest of the standards of the conference, and they're mm-hmm. in second place right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, Sacred, I mean, don't, don't, don't count them out. Sacred Heart has built their program up over the last couple years. I remember going they, to yeah. Webster Bank Arena and watching them fight. And, you know, they had never beat Robert Morris for so long, and then they beat Robert Morris last season for the first time. And... You know, you get those thoughts going through the head about, you know, this Sacred Heart team. And now, you know, they're, of course, they're in town. No, sorry. Yeah, they're, no, they're at Sacred Heart. I'm sorry. On December 7th and 8th. But, uh. And that's their, that's their semester finale series, correct? No. They have Army at home at on the 14th and 15th. And that's another ridiculously great series right there. Um, you know, you yeah, bring him in. You get Nikolai believe. come to town. Nikolai Busco, one of the favorites, comes to town, and we always try to talk to him before he comes in, and he always has a good time. You know, with us. You, if you've ever been to an Army series, you know Nikolai. <laughs> you know all about him. Awesome. Oh man. yeah. Yes. Um, but okay, this weekend we got Frank Serator coming to the t- coming to town. Air Force in town, so it's always a great matchup with the Falcons. And then we have a helmet home with Mercyhurst coming up. I mean, I'll probably be at both of those games because it's Black Friday and then the day after. I should be as well because I am doing the infamous double dip. I am doing the only hockey game in North America on Thursday, Erie Otters versus, I think it's, uh, I want to say it's Oshawa. I could be wrong. I got to remember the date for that. I might be interested in trying to drop in on that one. Yeah, that's a 3.05 start. Oh, that ain't happening. I got too much turkey to eat. I got way I mean, too much turkey to eat on Thursday to be able to go to a 305 game in Erie. Uh, that ain't happening. They definitely, definitely serve a lot of Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving related items that day, so don't feel like you're missing out. All right, uh, all right. Let's uh, let, let's try to speed this along and move into whatever else we need to discuss here. Um, yeah, so, we, we got through uh, two of the many teams in our area in a 
sorry I'm like 15 minutes there. Well, we're good. We're good. Uh, it's okay, only a week uh, here. It's only a week, Matt, because we we're, we're, <laughs> last week was just two weeks' worth. Yeah, we're not catching up this week. But uh, Bradley Central had his first career in NCAA Bowl this week. That's something that's all paper to me. Okay, uh, okay. For, for skimming the uh, – watching the video, skimming the summary. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, yeah, we're still in first place in Atlantic hockey, which is – which is pretty awesome. That oh, the women's had, team there, they are behind Mercyhurst, not in points because they're they're both equal in points. They're tied for first, but that but Mercyhurst in women's has the tiebreaker and goal differential. They haven't they played can... a game against each other yet, and it won't make a difference until they actually do. And they play Absolutely. each other play play each other in early December. I, I am book, bookmark that entire series. All right, yeah, what do we? That is that is um. That's not home at home, right? That's just uh, they're both. They play. Uh, both they play both games at home, and then they play on the road at the end of the season. Okay, that is a that is their last home series of this calendar year. I do believe that is the case. I'm, let me look at that and tell you. I believe that is the case here. Um, Next week's finals week, so that would mean they were off all that week. The they will week. play their final home series of the season is. Not at home against Mercyhurst. Their final home series is against RIT on February 21st and 22nd at Colonial. No, I mean, what is their, their, of, the, of 2019? Oh final yeah, 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 yeah. Their final, their 2019 series. Yes, sixth and seventh in at Colonial's Arena. It's a doubleheader on. Play the next weekend until the the tournament where we start with Wisconsin. Yes, then they play January 4th and 5th. So that's a Saturday-Sunday tournament at UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex. That's the first tournament of 2020. All right. Yeah, so also Cambria County War Memorial. First same day for the uh, Robert Morris Men for Play and Exhibition Game in, in uh, Johnstown that day. So, all right, what are, yeah. where are we going next? We're going to move this along here. I got I got to get it. We're going to go to Johnstown. We might as well. Works for me. We might as well go there. Johnstown is second in the East behind the New Jersey Titans. Oh. They um they do this weekend. They here. played Maine in Maine. Yeah, they played Maine in Maine, and I believe they won that game. I thought I read the score down. I clearly didn't read the score down. You are failing here today, sir. Yes, I am. I'm off the game. I was. I'm, I'm too excited about this wheeling game that just happened today that we're going to talk about in probably about five minutes. Here. They beat but, the uh, Nordiques today, six three. Uh, six three. They beat the Nordiques yesterday. Yeah, six. Oh, so they fell what? yesterday. They lost yesterday. So they lost to the Nordiques six four to two, and they beat them six to three. They lost six four and lost and won six three today. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. right. I actually have that written down, but I have that written down to Jamestown, not Johnstown. Yeah. Oh, okay. Some stuff. Some stuff. Well, it's funny because I'm looking at on Twitter right now, and I see Jamestown's immediately below the score of the next one. So, all right. Yeah, that's that's what happened there. Okay. Um, so the Youngstown Phantoms fell on Friday, mm-hmm. down three nothing in the first ten minutes against the U18 Team USA. That's the for people that aren't fans of the OHL. That is the team that the United States sends to the World Juniors okay. at the end of the USHL season every year. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty dang good. We're talking about this is a team that's had Matthews and Tachuk and all the big boys come mm-hmm. through that program. They they came back. Tied the game before the end of the first period at three to three, then scored six 
total unanswered to beat Team USA U18 six to three. I was following that one on Twitter with like amazement how well how that was going on. Youngstown just continued to uh, to jump in on that. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's incredible to me how well Youngstown plays against Team USA because you expect Team USA to just kind of steamroll everybody, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't happen like it used to. I guess. Oh. This is a it's a little bit of a different USHL these days. Mhm. Okay. And uh, they lost on Saturday to Des Moines. Oh, that was today. They lost today to Des Moines five to two. Five so two. They, 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 they rode the emotional tie on Friday. Lost today. No big deal. They'll be back in action against Sioux Falls on the twenty second. And they are currently in fifth place in the East. In the USHL, so okay. what else to do? They're, they're currently on the outside looking in, but there's a lot of hockey to still happen, and they only got one time series in December. So if you, if anybody wants to go see the Phantom, you gotta kind of do it soon. We gotta mm-hmm. wait till next. Yeah, they were they were on the road a lot, and then they came home for a couple, and then they're back on the road for a while. All right. Yeah. We're gonna go up to Erie. He's been a three and three. Okay. The, the term three and three. It is three hockey games in three days. It's a. Uh, it is not a. It is a favorite for the fans. The players hate it, but that's what happens. <laughs> no, that's so, that's how it works. Erie played Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They are now in first sole possession of first place in the Midwest. Nice. This is the that that I, I can't have the part. This is gonna be my squad this year. Mm-hmm. They're proving me right. Um. Erie was supposed so, to be very competitive this year. They they were definitely higher ranked in all the uh, projections. Yeah, this is a team that lost in a shootout. Go ahead. Seven to six in a shootout to the Windsor. Austin Swankler had three points in that game. It was it was a thriller. Uh, my buddy went. He was kind of. Uh, that they lost that game because he's freaking here right now. <laughs> Especially with what happened Saturday. Saturday versus the Mississauga Steelhead. Thomas Harley kind of a big bump there. Uh, if anybody knows Emily Harley on the women's team, that, that is her brother. We always have a friendly competition to see if, if the Otters and the Steelheads can pull it out. That, those are some beaters. Those are some really grindy hockey games. Kind of like old time hockey, but not like forties or old time hockey. We're just talking about like a really just kind of violent physical game here. Mm-hmm. Erie sent that game to overtime on an Austin Swankler goal with a minute being left. And with point oh seven seconds left, and he scored the game winner to beat Mississauga five to four in overtime, and. uh Day. On the Sunday, the back back in Mississauga, they returned the favor game five to four in overtime. So we had a crazy weekend for the Otters, but a lot of extra hockey, a lot of extra hockey, and uh, they picked up enough points to put them in small possession of play. So that was that was incredible. That's some awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my that's my rah rah for the week here. That's good. Um, so yeah. Yeah, today was Batman Day 
Batman Day because it's a 405 game, not Batman Night because it's not a 705 game. In uh, Wheeling, mm-hmm. where Wheeling at one point fell in this game against Fort Wayne. I think they were down, yeah, four, four to nothing. And they ended up coming back to tie this game at five to five and go to overtime against Dylan Ferguson, who's he's considered one of the top prospects of the Vegas Knights, who does not have an ECHL affiliate, so they just kind of send their guys everywhere. So you, it's it's kind of weird how that uh, those independent teams work in the ECHL. But uh, Cam Brown scored the overtime winner on a breakaway and did about 17 moves, literally. You can look this up. He, he probably did at least 17 deeks. And then put it off the top, down in for the overtime winner. And mm-hmm. It was an absolute uh, party in Wheeling. <laughs> so that was that was fun. Um, on Saturday, they also did a three and three this week. On Saturday, they lost one to nothing in overtime against the Reading Royals. Jordan Ruby played that game, and on Friday, they lost two to one to the Utah Grizzlies, which. I'm pretty sure that was Utah's first ever appearance at West Bank and Arena with uh, Pat McGrath returning to Wheeling, the the hero, pretty much one of the heroes of Wheeling for the last better part of a decade before he went up to to Wilkes-Barre. But there's, there were a lot of rumblings that uh, he might be returning to Wheeling in a trade sooner than later. I heard that throughout the stadium wow. quite a bit. So Wheeling's fourth in the central they're on the outside looking in as well on the playoffs, but after seeing what we saw this weekend, they got a lot of they got a lot to look for. There's a lot of great well, players got, down. At yeah, they got a lot. They got beat up in the uh, call ups from the major from the Penguins being on a mash unit. So it, it really can't you can't yeah. really fault it. So you got to look at what they have compared to what they could have, and being on the outside looking in barely is not something to be terribly worried about. Oh no, and I mean, there's so many top. Penguins prospects and draft picks that are just chilling and wheeling right now, like mm-hmm. Brandon Hawkins, who is a fifth-round pick from Northeastern from the Penguins mm-hmm. a couple years ago. He's down there. Miles Powell, the former captain of RIT, he's the year that they went to the Frozen Four, which is 2015. I think I want to say it's 2015. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's down there, and he he put on a show today as well. And uh, there's just Cam Brown, Christopher Brown, Yan Drozdik, like all these Penguin draft picks just sitting down there in Wheeling that haven't been called up yet. And they're decimated with injuries down there in Wheeling as well. They're putting mm-hmm. an absolute heck of a product. On the ice. So that's something that I highly recommend. If you haven't gotten to see the Nailers yet this year, right. uh, go see them before their roster gets either more injured or picked apart by call-ups, <laughs> which happens every year. Yeah, that's true. All right. Do you have anything else for us, Matt? That's all I got for this week. Right. Looking forward to Air Force this weekend. All right. Thank you, Matt Mamos. Uh, coming up next will be uh, – he'll be back next week. I apologize. He'll be back next week bringing us everything that we need to know. Um, and coming up next is Ed Major with your ACHA Weekly Recap on the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest podcast. Thank you for coming on, Matt Mamros. We will be back. 
Hey, what's up, Berg Hockey fans? I am Ed Major, otherwise known as Major Focus. You can find me on Twitter at Ed Major Photo and on Facebook and Instagram at Ed Major Photography. Let's jump right into our to our regular ACHA recap. Oh, <laughs> it was an exciting weekend. Well, let's start with the with the conference games we had. We had four conference games over the weekend. You had Duquesne going up to the Cleveland area to play John Carroll. Pitt went up to Erie to play Mercyhurst. And then what happened was Duquesne and Pitt swapped for the Saturday night games. Pitt went down to play John Carroll. Duquesne went up to play Mercyhurst. So let's start with that Friday Friday Dukes Blue Streaks game. John Carroll took that win 8-5. to five. So they they sweep the season series against the Dukes. They on the end of October they beat them at Alpha Ice Complex eight to four. So John Carroll, it's it's clear they can get a lot of scoring when they want to. Meanwhile, that same night, Pitt took it to Mercyhurst and they took that game nine to one. No no real surprise there. The surprise there was the 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 surprise actually was when. When Duquesne came up to play Mercyhurst Saturday night, the Lakers came away with the win by a score of 11-4. to Previously, Mercyhurst had been 0-4 in conference play, and, and so they just take it to the Duke Saturday night, come away with their first conference win of the year, and Duquesne now falls to 2-5 and in conference play. So Duke seemed to be struggling a little bit this season. Last season they went ten and four in conference play, so they've already exceeded their number of losses from last year. So, li- little bit of struggling for the Dukes this year, but we'll see if they can't get the ship turned around. There's a lot of lot of ho- lot of hockey left to play this year. Uh, go back to that. We keep with Saturday night. Pitt takes the win over John Carroll three to one. So they now move to four and one in conference play, the same as Robert Morris. IUP, of course, 4-0. and So you've got three teams at the top of the CHMA standings with eight points each right there. So that, those three will be exciting to watch as we come down the stretch of the season. Getting into some non-conference action here. Slippery Rock had a, season, had a weekend series out at Bird Arena to play the Ohio Bobcats. And uh, no surprise with Ohio coming away with a 10-2 victory Friday night and then blanking the, the Pride 5-0 on Saturday. Robert Morris had a weekend series against the Cortland Red Dragons. I was personally at that game Friday night where you had that. We had the Colonials coming away with a 9-2 victory. That's thanks to a... Uh, to a hat trick by uh, uh and uh, and of course I can't remember his name. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's it's been. Forgive me, I was up late last night uh, watching the Penguins win. It was a six-one win over the over the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you you had. Uh, excuse me, I'm trying to I'm trying trying to get. Uh, Trying to, trying to find all the information I need here. I'm, I'm a little unprepared right now. Uh, little, little, little unprepared here for, for this. You had, you had. Oh, Joey Zatola <laughs> was the was the colonial that got the hat trick Friday night. 
for Robert Morris as they took that win nine to two. And I'm, I'm sorry again, folks. I'm uh, <laughs> a little, little all over the place today. My apologies to the Colonials, but Robert Morris came away with that nine to two victory. On Saturday, they came away with a victory again, four to one at the Island Sports Center. So that, so right, so what that, what that does for them is Robert Morris improves to a record of fourteen four and one overall. Again, like I said, they're four and one in conference play. So Colonials, defending conference champions, are are just rolling right through. So we we've got so what other. I think the other non-conference action we've got is IUP. Oh, that was the only non-conference on oh, West Virginia played Canisius on Friday night. They fell four to one. Hayden Hinnemeyer, local Thomas Jefferson product, with the with the lone tally for the Mountaineers. And on Saturday, Canisius came went up to play IUP. IUP came away with that victory, eight to two. So so that moves that moves them. Do an overall record of eight and three, so they've only got a couple more losses than Pitt does. Pitt is fourteen and one overall, so IUP really doing doing very well too. They've just played a few less games than the Pitt Panthers, but that's what you have there with that game on Saturday. Like I said, Slippery Rock falling to Ohio on Saturday five nothing. And it looks like that will do it for your weekend that was. Let's jump into the weekend that will be. We've got we've got four more really great conference games coming up. The weekend of the 22nd and 23rd, you've got IUP hosting Pitt, so battle of the of two of the top teams there. Duquesne playing Robert Morris for the first time this season at Alpha Ice Complex. Uh, that IUP pick game will be out at S&T Bank Arena at 8.05 p.m. Duquesne hosting Robert Morris at 9.30 at Alpha Ice Complex. See if they can't right the ship there after a tough loss to Mercyhurst. Saturday, then, you've got Pitt will host Duquesne in the annual city game on ice. So you, you've got two of those every year. You've got that first one this season coming in Alpha Ice Complex at 9.20 p.m. on Saturday, the 23rd. I will personally be in the rink for that one. That's always an exciting game. And, and really, you you can throw the records out the window when these two teams meet, when Pitt and Duquesne meet, because records mean nothing. Records, history means nothing. These two teams fight hard every time they meet on the ice, so that's going to be a really exciting game. I, I need all of you to come on out for that game. Pitt and Duquesne, 9.20 p.m., Saturday the 23rd, City Game on Ice. It'll be a good one. And then uh, me at, at the meantime, at 9.35 that night at the Island Sports Center, we will have Robert Morris and IUP playing. So, so again, you've got some great hockey that weekend, great hockey in, in, in these local arenas. You, you can't get any better than these. Sunday, Sunday, you'll have Niagara will host West Virginia. That'll be an 11.30 a.m. matchup. And uh, I think that will do it for your weekend that will be. So if you want to keep up to date on all of these uh, next weekend, you can find me on Twitter at EdMajorPhoto. Follow all the rest of us at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, at PGH Hockey Digest on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So I will send it back to you, Mitch, for the 
not for every for everything non-ACHA in Burke hockey. So that'll do it for me for this weekend. Back to you, Mitch. Special thanks to Ed Major for coming on and covering it. We're going to switch to the PIHL now. And all right, this week we're going to start in Double A. We're going to be talking the scores here. Hempfield defeating Moon at Kirk Nevin Arena five to one on Monday. Montour over South Fayette 7-3 at Mount Lebanon. Then Plum defeated Hampton 4-3 at Pittsburgh Ice. West Allegheny defeating Mars 4-0 at Barrel, finishing up the games on Monday. Tuesday, Franklin Regional defeated Meadville 7-2 at Center Ice Arena. Greater Latrobe at Shaler, and that ended with a 7-0 Greater Latrobe victory. Not many games on the docket for the week. Here are your standings coming out of... This week, Quaker Valley in the Northwest leads the way. Six points, three and three record for the Quakers. Mars and Meadville, two and three each at four points. Moon getting a overtime loss. One point there, 0-6-0-1 are the Tigers. West Allegheny leading the Southwest. Six and one are the Indians, 12 points. Baldwin right behind them at five and zero there. 10 points for the Highlanders. Montour, the Spartans have 8 points in 3rd place. South Fayette, 6 points. You are sitting in 4th place right now. 3-4 and four on the season. In the Northeast, Plum still leading the way. 4-2 and two with a 8 points. Armstrong right behind them with 6 points. 3-5 and five on the season. Hampton with a 1-6 and six record gives 2 points. And Shaler 0-7 oh to start the season. In the southeast, Greater Latrobe leading the way, 6-0. and Franklin Regional, 4-1 and right behind them. Hempfield right, tied with with Franklin, however, with two more losses at eight points. Set 4-3 and three for the Spartans. Penn Trafford, 3-2 right behind both of them with the least amount of games played. So they have a couple games in hand on both the leaders and Hempfield. They have the same amount of game played as Franklin Regional with five. Michael Felsing leading the scorers in double A right now. Nine goals, 15 assists, 24 points. Alex Walker, second place, eight goals, 12 assists, 20 points. Cole Ferry of Latrobe, also nine goals, 10 assists, 19 points. Dusty Gergash in fourth place, seven goals, 10 assists, four, 17 points. Three-way tie for fifth right now, Ethan Szymanski. Of South Fayette, Nick Bandai of West Allegheny, and Matt Trzinski of Hempfield. All, each have 16 points in net. You need 102 minutes to qualify here. Leading the way is Vinny Amatucci of Greater Latrobe. Got another victory this week for the Wildcats. He has a 968 save percentage. Tanner Sindrick of Baldwin. 4-0 to start the season, 9.55 save percentage. Greg Irons of Latrobe qualifies with a 3-0 record, 9.38. Josh Ferry of West Allegheny, 9.36. And then up in there, it's Colin Rice jumping back into the top five with a 9.19 save percentage. Right back to Josh Ferry. He's going to be our second straight Goaltender of the Week award recipient. He finished the game against Mars 25 for 25 with a shutout. Congratulations, Josh. Looking around, it was a tough pick this week. There were plenty of really good candidates for our Player of the Week. But I think I settled on 
Leading goal scorer Logan Schlegel of Plum for it. He had two goals and an assist in the win over Hampton this on this past Monday. So congratulations to Logan on the victory. And something of note in double A. Congratulations to Dusty Gergash, the Montour and S Mark star forward, sending his sorry, his defenseman. He plays forward too for a couple of the teams. Uh, it's hard to contain which one he's playing at the time, but I believe he's playing defense for both the squads this season. Um, he has just signed his tender with the Johnstown Tomahawks of the NAHL, so congratulations, Dusty. Good luck. We will see you at the War Memorial. Uh, we'll talk about that with Matt Mamros if we haven't already at this point, depending on how this show is built. I'll be honest with you. We I record all the PIH stuff up, up front before... We actually have our little conversation, so congratulations to Dusty for his tender with Johnstown. Good luck in the NAHL. On to Triple A now, and we're talking the schedule that was for the last week. Seneca Valley welcoming Cannon McMillan to the Barrel Ice Complex. The Raiders defeating the Big Macs 4 nothing. Upper St. Clair defeating Central Catholic 3-2 to at Ice Castle. Cathedral Prep defeating Mount Lebanon at Mercyhurst Ice in overtime, 3-2. North Allegheny over Bethel Park, 6-1 at the Spencer Family YMCA. And Pine Richland finally catching up to everybody in games played for the most part, defeating Central Catholic, 6-1 at Barrel Ice Complex. Standings in the 11-team division go down like this. North Allegheny, 6-0-1 with a shootout loss, of course. 13 points leading the way. Seneca Valley 6-0 even with 12 points in second. Three-way tied for third. Upper St. Clair, Peters Township, and Cannon McMillan. Upper St. Clair 4-2. The other two 4-3 on the season. Pine Richland finally catching up to everybody in games played with five now. They have a 3-1-1 and record. That is good for seven points and tied with Cathedral Prep, who is 3 and three with a with a overtime loss. Mount Lebanon, two and five starting the season with an overtime loss gives them five points. And they are sitting in the all important eighth spot right now with three teams tied with four points behind them. Bethel Park at two and five, two and six Central Catholic, and two and six Butler on the season. Josh Ripp still leading the way in the statistical category with 10 goals and 5 assists for 15 points for Cannon McMillan. Mark Lehman sitting in second with 14 points. Colton Sherry of Upper St. Clair, 7 goals, 5 assists, good for 12 points. Michael Sawickley of Central Catholic, 3-way tie for 4th place right now with Connor Chi of North Allegheny and Tyler Lamarck of North Allegheny. And that is 11 points apiece for those individuals. Swicky, six goals, five assists, same as Chi. And Lamarck with four goals and seven assists. Tyler Boyles leading the way from North Allegheny with a 9.51 save percentage to go with his 4-0 record to start his career. Robbie Haliyama, 4-0 record, also has a 9.41 save percentage. Seth Faulkner of Cathedral Prep. 934 save percentage. Josh Bailey of North Allegheny qualifies with a 926, same as Cole Hoffman of Seneca Valley, qualifies with a 926 save percentage. You need at least 105 minutes, sorry, 110 minutes to 
No, it's 102 minutes. I apologize. I keep forgetting my own numbers here. 102 minutes to qualify two-game minimum here to be in the statistical category. Next week, it'll go up to three. Sophomore Connor Chi is our player of the week in AAA. North Allegheny sophomore scored three goals against the Bethel Park Blackhawks on Thursday night at the Spencer Valley YMCA. Congratulations to Connor. Seth Faulkner is going to take our Goaltender of the Week award from Cathedral Prep. The attendees stopped 5 of 47 on the contest against Mount Lebanon and won in a shootout. So congratulations to Seth Faulkner for the player, the Goaltender of the Week award. Heading on up to Hess Ice Rink to start the Class B action. Ringgold defeating Wilmington 9-2. Bishop Canavan falling to Elizabeth forward 11-9 at Hockeyville, Ross Draver Ice Garden. Carrick 8, Trinity 1 at Princecape on Tuesday. And Trinity heading to Ross Draver, defeating Elizabeth forward 5-4 in overtime. Connellsville over Morgantown at Morgantown Ice. Of course, the uh, news coming out this past week that there's going to be a big renovation to Morgantown Ice Arena. So that's going to be a nice thing to look forward to in the next couple seasons. 4-3 is the victory for the Falcons over the Mohawks. Bishop Canavan defeating Central Valley 11-1 at Brady's Run on Thursday. And Avonworth over McDowell at Barreled, Barrel Ice Complex on Thursday. 4-1 standings. Coming out of the week that was in the north, Nishanik still holding on to the lead. 5-0 are the Lancers. The Antelope right behind them. 3-1 are is Avonworth. Central Valley at 2-2, two two, four points tied with Wilmington. 2-3, four points. Burl, 1-4 on the season. And that gives them two points. McDowell, 0-6 to start this campaign. Ringgold leading the south, 6-0. Right behind them are the Carrick Cougars with a 5-1 record at 10 points. Connellsville sitting in third, 4-4. Four four, slowly coming out of a slow start for those Falcons, but they're making their way into the top. Of course, the top four teams in each division make the postseason. 4-4 four four are the Falcons for 8 points. Elizabeth forward 3-2 and with an overtime loss. The only overtime loss in Class B for Elizabeth forward, and that's 7 points. Bishop Canavan. 3-6 and six to start the season. They've played the most games out of anybody. They're at 6 points. Morgantown, 2-2 two and two with 4 games played. And Trinity, 2-6 and six with 8 games played. 4 points for both of them. The Michael Vasco show continues, and he is leading statistically with 12 goals and 13 assists for 25 points for Elizabeth Forward. Nathan Todd and Brad Budos of Ringgold right behind them. Todd has 12 goals, 9 assists for 21 points. And Budos with 7 goals and 9 assists for 16 points. Tate Donovan of Elizabeth Forward following his buddy Vasco's lead. 10 goals, 5 assists for Elizabeth Forward. And sophomore defender Ian Norkovicius from Carrick is tied with a couple other players for that 5th spot right now. It is... He has nine goals, five assists. Ethan Saylor of Ringgold, Justin Day of Ringgold, and Evan Eberline of Ringgold each have 14 points. Saylor and Eberline, six goals, eight assists, and Day has three goals and 11 assists on the campaign. 
Once again, you need a 102 minutes to qualify for the goaltending category. So here, who qualifies leading the way in the Shanik? It is Riley Mestkowski with a 5-0 record and a 987 save percentage. Sean Dugan of Carrick has the 5-1 record and a 916 save percentage. Blake Phillips of Morgantown jumps in with a 1-2 record and a 906 save percentage. Chad DeGrone of Ringgold, 6-0, 885 save percentage. And tied with an 871 save percentage are John Chop of Trinity and Alex Mitchell of Connellsville. Uh, an 871 save percentage for each of them. Chop coming in 2-3. and three. Mitchell, 4-4 four and four on the season. Michael Vasco takes the Player of the Week honors. The senior from Elizabeth Forward had hat tricks in both games against Bishop Canavan and Trinity this week. Added four additional assists, three in that game against Canavan and one against Trinity for 10 points in those two games. Congratulations to Michael Vasco. Too many opportunities to give to a uh, goaltender of the week here. Almost didn't award it, but I guess I qualified one pretty well. I don't like to give it to anybody that's made has faced less than 15 shots on a given day, and usually, you know, it depends how many goals they gave up and the quality of the opponent goes into factor. Um, but I'm going to give it to Benjamin Coral of Avonworth this week. 15 shots faced, 14 saves in that 4-1 victory over McDowell at the Barrel Ice Complex on Thursday. So congratulations to Ben Coral. We're going to talk to North Catholic head coach John Hoffman and Christopher McFadden, their senior goaltender at the end of this segment here. But uh, right now we're going to go to the scoreboard. Blackhawk heading down to West Banco Arena. Go to Wheeling, defeating Wheeling Catholic 9-3. Then Ice Castle Arena where Thomas Jefferson defeated Indiana 8-4. North Hills defeating Bishop McCourt 4-3 at the Island. Also at the Island, Chartiers Valley defeating Swickley Academy 7-2. Westmont Hilltop defeating Wheeling Park at the First Summit Arena at the War Memorial in Johnstown. Kiske over Beaver 9-0 at the Center Ice Arena. UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex, where I was this past Tuesday. North Catholic defeated South Park in their first big test of the season 2-1. Thomas Jefferson defeating Blackhawk on Thursday at Brady's Run 12-2. Greensburg-Salem over Wheeling Park 8-7 at Nevin Arena. And Indiana welcoming Norwin and defeating Norwin to the ST Bank Arena. And that game was on Thursday. Standings coming out of that week into next week. North Catholic leading the Northwest 6-0 on the season. Blackhawk 7 points at 3-3-0-1. In second place, Beaver 1-6 for two points, and Swickley Academy 0-8 to start the season. Thomas Jefferson 7-1, leading South Park by two points. 6-2 are those Eagles. Chartiers Valley 2-3 with a shootout loss, have five points. North Hills 2-3 with that win over McCourt, give them four points. Fourth place in the Southwest in the Northeast. Indiana leading the way. 11 points, 5-3 and three are the Indians. They have an overtime loss to their name. Kiske 4-2 with 8 points, but have 3 games in hand on those Indiana Indians. 8 points have the Cavaliers. Fox Chapel in 3rd place. 2-2-0-1 two, two, oh, are the Foxes. 5 points. Freeport 1-5 and five 
with at six games into the season. Two points are the Yellow Jackets. In the Southeast, Norwin leading the way, 12 points. Six and one are the Knights. The Crushers, Bishop McCourt, and Greensburg-Salem Golden Lions each have four, one, and one records with overtime loss each. Nine points tied for second. And Westmont Hilltop, the Hilltoppers, two and two with an overtime loss to their name. Five points. In the Wheeling Division, two and three are the Wheeling Park Patriots. One overtime loss, give them five points. And Wheeling Catholic starts the game, starts the season 0-3. Oh uh, of course, they start the season a little bit later than everybody else. But that's all right. We got them there. They're in. Statistically speaking, our leader this week is Will O'Brien for Thomas Jefferson. 14 goals, 11 assists, 25 points for the Jaguars. Addis Oltenbeckov has a second-place tie with Cole McNair of Greensburg-Salem, the Bishop McCourt crusher forward, and Cole McNair of the Golden Lions. Each have 22 points. Oltenbeckov has 14 goals, 8 assists, and McNair has 13 goals and 9 assists. Jace, Jacob Daly and Mason Pivarnik are tied from Norwin with 21 points. Daly has 7 goals and 14 assists. Pivarnik has 9 goals, 12 assists for the Knights. Then you look around in net, it is Shane Peremba still leading the way with a 9.51 save percentage through 8 games. Logan Marnick has a 9.35 from, from Chartiers Valley. I mess those two up all the time. North Catholics, Chris McFadden, third place. 9.32 save percentage. We're going to speak with him a little bit later. Eric Petica of Kiski area, 9.28 save percentage. And closing it out is Ian Amaranto from Westmont Hilltop, and he has a 9.05 save percentage. Our player of the week should be no surprise. You can go no further than Ice Castle Arena, find number 17 on Thomas Jefferson, and that is Will O'Brien. In the last week, he played two games. Had a hat trick in both games and added three assists total for a nine point week, two power play goals for the junior. So he is our player of the week in single A. This week's goaltender of the week is going to be Chris McFadden of North Catholic. Of course, we're going to speak with him in a couple moments to talk to him about his season thus far, how he felt about the start, and then we're going to talk with this head coach, John Hoffman, afterwards. So without that being said, congratulations to McFadden. He stopped 28-29 in that victory over South Park. And, yeah, we're going to talk with him about it. And if you look at the uh, the single A and you talk about North Catholic and their return to you know single A, um, McFadden has played in every game so far. He They are 6-0. and he this is his stat lines look like this. The opening game against Wickley Academy stopped 23 of 27. Blackhawk, he stopped 25 of 29. 19 of 19 against Beaver. North Hills, 29 of 31. 27 of 27 against Beaver. And South Park is 28 of 29. So really, if you look at it, North Hills was the first real all right, test of this week. Uh, that division is a little bit uh, less competitive than the rest. I'm trying to be nice here, uh, but it is less competitive than the rest at this point. Um, but they he, they get their first real big test on a, on a top team, and that is South Park. And they come out and they get the 2-1 victory. And this is uh, Chris McFadden talking about his season thus far. So I'm just going to start it out pretty simple. How much fun is it to get to the varsity level and start out 6-0? and Oh, it's fun. Um, I mean, from coming from JV3 mm -hmm. for the first three years and then going to varsity and being undefeated so far, mm -hmm. it's 
amazing. What's the, uh, how do you feel about the uh, compete level difference? I feel like it's m more competitive, but we also have some more talent on our team this year, okay. um, which definitely helps. Um, it's definitely more of a battle to, you know, win games like these, but I mean, it's been working out so far. You get a game like this against South Park, which is looking at the schedule, probably one of the tougher tests you're going to have seen this season thus far. How do you feel your team has gone out and played in that contest? Oh, I feel like everyone stepped up today. Um, I mean, we've been kind of struggling in the second period sometimes, but I mean, today I just saw 110% from everyone, and I thought it was great. Once again, I would like to thank Chris for coming on and talking with us on the PhD podcast. Um, I also spoke with head coach John Hoffman of North Catholic. Here is what he had to say with the start of the season for his boys. Get off to a 6-0 and start the season. Um, how does that feel to get the team, at least get the footing underneath them, to be able to show that they can play at the varsity level? It's, it's huge to get that kind of start. Um, you know, for us to come out, out of the gate, storming, getting six, mm -hmm. going 6-0, and, and um, it, it's just a, a credit to their work ethic and what they've mm -hmm. put forth to, to make things happen for us. And you get to this point, and of course, South Park, it looks like looking at your schedule, South Park really is the first real big test of the season. Um, how do you think your team fared, and how do you feel about it coming out of this one? I think we, uh, we showed a lot of character in this game, a lot of resiliency. Um, we battled hard in the first period, um, had to get through a lot of penalties. Uh, we, were, we were outshot 9-1 to one at one point in the first period and came back to time and shots in 10-10, and you know, we didn't look back. I mean, we kept pushing and, and got opportunities for ourselves, and I think it shows that they have a character, they never give up, and they go strong. Who on your team has been stepping up verbally in the room? Uh, we have we have a handful of leaders. Um, we only have three seniors on this team, so we're a young team. But we have a, have a good group of six leaders that, that really take the helm. Um, Quentin Schaefer is one of them. Dom Desort. Um, uh, uh, Luke Gartner. We have a, a handful of guys that are just really pushing through and giving us a lot of solid leadership to, to help push us through, both whether it be just on the ice and their example or, you know, vocally in the room to, to keep the group together and, and we move forward and go. I'd like to take this moment to apologize for the coarse language in the background there. Um, we had a couple rogue referees who really didn't care that we were recording for a show with a coach and... Uh, so I apologize for that once again, but I felt like the subject matter was strong enough that you guys would understand. Seems like the last time we spoke of them, the Pittsburgh Vengeance have been on a tear. Um, since then, I believe we spoke, haven't talked about them since November started, and they would split a, a series against the Metro Jets at the Alpha Ice Complex, head up to Erie Bank Sports Park, where I was a week prior to defeat the Lake Erie Bighorns, Four to two, and then the Bighorns would come here on November 9th and defeat the and the, sorry be defeated by the Vengeance three nothing. They have been off since, and they will be at home on the 24th against those Lake Erie Bighorns. I feel the same way about the S Mark Stars. Haven't been around in a while, so we're gonna go from November through. So we're gonna talk the uh, the tournament they had up at the Harbor Center. They were the, the 18 Stars we're talking about here. The Buffalo Junior Sabers would defeat them. 2-1. They would defeat the London Junior Knights. 5-1. Tie the 95 Giants U19 prep team. Win 6-0 over Amherst. Beat the Predators 5-1 at Harbor Center up there. Everett Junior Silvertips would fall to the S Mark Stars 9-4 at the Comerica Center in Frisco, Texas, where they're at this weekend for a tournament. They dropped a game to Car Shield 
yesterday. Sorry, this morning, CarShield AAA would defeat them 4-3 in overtime. They have a game going on right now against Notre Dame, and they have a game tomorrow against Sioux Falls. So I don't have any answers for how they're doing in those contests as of this point. That game won't start for another 20 minutes from when I recorded. The U16s would play the Predators at that Harbor Center tournament, and they would lose 3-1. And then the Rochester Selects dropped that game 3-2. Same tournament, Valley Forge Miniman on the second 4-2 victory. 8-2 loss to the Buffalo Junior Sabres on the Sunday contest, and the Sylvania North Stars would defeat them 2-1. Two wins this past weekend with games still to be played. I don't have a uh, score for today's game. Defeated Gentry Academy, a big victory by what I'm hearing, 4-3 in Texas. And the Colorado Tigers, 7-2 victory over them at the Star Center McKinney there in Texas. Once again, congratulations to S-Mark Stars defenseman Dusty Gergash for getting tendered with the Johnstone Tomahawks of the NAHL. The U18 Penguins Elite squad was at Penn State to start the month, and they played a series against the Washington Little Capitals and tied the first contest and lost the second one on the third. Played the Columbus Blue Junior Blue Jackets in a pair of games at Lemieux Sports Complex Saturday and Sunday, 9th and 10th. Dropped both those contests 2-1 and 4-3. On Friday the 15th, they lost to the New Jersey Avalanche 7-0. Mount St. Charles, and they went to the Harbor Center, the same tournament. Mount St. Charles defeated them 5-3. Selects Academy defeated them 4-1, and they dropped a game to the Buffalo Junior Sabres 3-2 at KeyBank Center in Buffalo. So the Penguins elite having a little bit of a rough stretch here to start the season. The U16 elites have fared a little bit better. The Columbus Blue Jackets would come to town and they would defeat them by a pair of 7-0 victories on 9th and 10th. Then they headed to the Harbor Center for the same tournament that is still going on as we speak. Do not have any updates. It's actually in progress as I'm going right now with the Buffalo Junior Sabres. I'll see if I can get some stats on that one. But right now, it's, they lost. They tied 2-2 the New Jersey Avalanche. Mount St. Charles loss of 2-4 and lost to Selects Academy 3-2. This game that they're in progress right now, it is 2-2 with the Buffalo Junior Sabres. I have uh, no details other than the score and the time. I didn't expect to have anything anyway, so it's good to see. Don't know how that one's going to end yet, but we should have an update by the end of the evening. I made a trip up to the... Frozen Pond Arena this past weekend, this past Saturday, and I checked out the Chatham Cougars men's ice hockey squad playing in their a couple games at home this weekend. I, I caught the game on Saturday, but they opened up the weekend against Kings with a 5-2 victory in the UCH, UA, UCHC action, and I caught the game against Wilkes, where they showed a lot of tenacity, and they tried to stay into it, but Unfortunately, weren't enough as Wilkes would defeat them 4-6. to six. They had a really strong first period had were those Colonels. So uh, the Chatham Cougars couldn't overcome it. And unfortunately, they had to drop the contest 6-4. Chatham Winneman started the season 2-2-1, two, two splitting a series against Becker College. Uh Tying game against Lebanon Valley at home. Their home, sorry, it wasn't their home opener. That was their third home game. Then they went on the road where they defeated Alvarina 
and Stevenson, the loss of Stevenson 5-2. They will be at home this weekend against Newman and Manhattanville. Uh, the second part of that game, the Manhattanville game, will be Skate with the Cougs night. Of course, the the trademarked co- the <laughs> mascot of the Chatham Cougars. So it'll be Skate with the Cougars night at the Pittsburgh Ice Arena in New Kensington. Steel City Selects have continued their ways of winning. 10 nothing win over RIT's Women's Club at the Roy McKnight Hockey Center at the Shadyside Academy. Went on the road to the Rochester Ice Arena in Rochester, Michigan for a tournament. Defeated Naperville Sabres Jr., the 19U's. Lost to the Carolina Hurricanes. Lady Anaheim Lady Ducks, they were 2-0 victors. Nashville Junior Predators, 1-0 victory. And they dropped a game to the K-Stars. On that day, I have no score from the shady side Steel City Selects game from Wednesday. Don't have enough data from the U19 Penguins Elite Girls, so we're going to move on to the U16s where I have at least something to work with. A couple victories here. They were at the Bill Gray's. Regional Isoplex in Rochester, New York, and they went two and going. Oh, no, there's more of that one. I'm sorry, they went five and one in that contest. They defeated the Buffalo Bisons, Delta Hockey Academy, uh, the Selects Academy, Buffalo Bisons again in Cornwall, and uh, lost a game to Cornwall two one in that tournament, and then went to Joshua's Creek Arenas in Ontario, tied with Cambridge. Defeated the Barry Sharks, lost to Stony Creek and Oakville, and defeated the J- Toronto Arrows for three. They'll be back home on the 29th. They have a Thanksgiving tournament coming up at the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex and Barrel Ice Complex over Thanksgiving weekend. And it should be about everything that we have for you from the world of Berg hockey. Um, I'd like to thank Matt Mamros for coming on, Ed Major for bringing all his stuff in. Christopher McFadden for joining us, and of course, the head coach from North Catholic, Mr. Hoffman. Um, that being said, we're going to move along to next week's show, episode 9, and we're going to talk a little bit more along the lines of things. I think we're going to try to get an interview with either Rick Tingle or Mike Bagnato for next week's show. I'm working on those two. I got uh, the call with um, Matt Geica this week on Thursday. I don't have much any other w- uh, else in the way of um, interviews coming up. I have a busy week for myself coming up, so um, I'll be at the Robert Morris game on Friday. I won't be there Saturday. I have a uh, a private DJ show that I have to do, um, but otherwise I should be around. All right. Well, like I, like I said, for Matt Mamros and Ed Major. Thanks again to Chris McFadden and Coach Hoffman from North Catholic. My name is Brian Mitchell. This is the PhD Podcast, and I will see you in the rink. Take care, guys.